bit about um, what you do. I can just, in terms of an introduction, I know of you through the combine that my son recently went to um, in January at the St. James, which we had never been there, and it was a, just a gorgeous facility. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we walked in, he's like he's thinking about summer jobs. Like, what am I going to do? He's like, I think I could work here. Um, just the whole setup of that place is pretty amazing. And then, um, and that event, I thought, and I, you and I chatted about this, but I, I, uh, I thought that event was really well organized and really well run. And maybe we can talk about that more when sure. we get into this, but. Um, just given my interest in youth development and trying to develop their soft skills and really helping them to, I think, develop critical skills that they need for them to both be successful now, but then as they're thinking about college and beyond. So, sure. um, so I feel like you know your passions and my passions intersect to mm-hmm. some degree. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be great to talk with you. Um, and so maybe just tell us a little bit about your role with the NCSL and, and what that's like and sort of what a day in the life is, is like for you. Uh, sure. I'm the uh, executive director of NCSL, which is National Capital Soccer League, and I help run the day-to-day operations of the league alongside our league administrator. Uh, but beyond that, I am really the liaison between the clubs, our member clubs, which we have 72 of, and we'll probably grow to more than that in the fall, between them and the league. Okay. So I have a lot of free, a lot of communication between uh, with the club leadership and understanding their experience in the league and how we can make it better and, mm-hmm. and what kind of trends and what kind of frequent feedback I'm getting I'm hearing from multiple clubs and what initiatives we can create out of that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a former club um, technical director so I'm, I was in their shoes and yeah. I cannot relate to what kind of they're going through and, and a lot of times when they talk to me it's it's Ryan will understand where we're coming from and he, mm-hmm. he gets it and and a lot of the things that they ask me, I understand where they're coming from and be able and can tweak what we're doing and adjust to help their team have a better experience. Because I, I, I look at it from my role is that we're we work for the clubs. Mm-hmm. They're your clients. We're, we're the clients. Yeah. And, uh, um, they're our clients, and uh, the game day experience is 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 something they're trusting us with. Mm-hmm. They can they can educate their coaches. They can hire great staff and have control of their training sessions, but then they outsource the league experience to us. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's really an important um, thing that we do for them and to make sure that the families and their game day have a positive experience, a competitively appropriate experience. And if they don't, that's how not only view the league negatively, but they almost view their club negatively and vice versa. They have a great experience. They're like, hey, our, our club is really looking right. after us. And, so I take that very seriously and, and want to do the best we can to make the league work for our club. And so you said there's 72 clubs. Is mm-hmm. that all over Virginia? Is that in other states? Right. So we have a pretty, uh, our NCSL universe is, is pretty <laughs> large. Uh, it's one of the largest in the league. I mean, in the, in the nation, sorry. Uh, we go as far south as Stafford and north as uh, we have teams in Pennsylvania that participate out okay. west to West Virginia. So it's a pretty big geographical area that we cover, and we have again seventy-two clubs, yeah. around a thousand teams per season. It's pretty amazing, like how much soccer has blown up, right? Oh, yeah, in yeah. terms of um, just when I was little, it was all like youth league stuff, like rack. I mean, oh, there yeah. was some stuff, but I think it was called Select then. Do you mm-hmm. remember it's called like Select Soccer, and then, but I just feel like over the last twenty years, and then obviously oh, yeah. having kids that all play it. You get immersed in it, and you just see like mm-hmm. what a big 
culture it is and how much is going on in that sport. Sure. Tell me a little bit. So I have a, just a follow-up question about your role today. So are you a team of one or how, how does it work? I mean, that's a pretty big job with a lot of responsibility across a huge geographic region. Right. So there are two of us that are full-time. Wow. So I'm the executive director and we have a full-time lead administrator. Okay. Um, and so during the season, she she really handles a lot of the scheduling, the rescheduling. It's and it's a lot. It's well, that every, seems like a brutal yeah. role. Yeah. So as you can imagine, on and the, one that yeah. Missy and I would be very good at because <laughs> it's too much detail. Right. It's, as you can imagine, on a rainy weekend, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of emails and calls coming in, rescheduling games. It's uh, uh people are always surprised when they I hear can't. that it's only two of us um, that are handling. But it's uh, you know we work well together, and it's it it's. Uh, you know, before that time, though, before I came on, it wasn't. It was right, just I think one. you were it telling me that you, that was a new job, and right. I think the other thing that's really interesting about your job, which also ties to to my passion, which is you know you have to work through a lot of people mm-hmm. in order to get what you need accomplished, right? So you mm-hmm. have to work through your club leads and coaches. Like there's mm-hmm. so many other people that you have to motivate or influence or sure. get them to do what you need them to do mm-hmm. without really having what I call positional authority. So it's not like, you know, in that culture of coaching, I think it's not like you're their boss really, right? Sure. So so I think it'd be interesting if you could talk just a little bit about maybe what you've learned in that space or how you've been able to do that with a team of two right, right. and trying to manage all of this and figure out how you, you know, create the experience that you're trying to right I mean, I, I look at it and come from a place when I'm talking to them of how can we help you mm-hmm. and uh, and what are you looking for help understanding their needs first of you know if you've got 30 teams in the league how can we look after them as best as possible and create and, and we, we want to be on your side and here's an issues that we have going on that we think are really great value adds mm-hmm. how can you help support us in these and for that college con right. is an example of uh, that's something that wasn't there before and how can we provide uh, something that's valuable to and, and to NCSL players and, and if clubs can go back to their club membership and say yeah. uh, as being as a member of this league you get special access to this this combine uh, so it makes them look hey, look good mm-hmm. it's another uh, additional initiative they can offer to their players while also that you know uh, supporting us as well um, so it's it's kind of looking for the win-win mm-hmm. in, in that perspective and having that background in the club definitely right. helps because I can understand or I know what you're going through and I know like some of the questions and emails that you get from parents and and, and, and how can we help you you've been in their shoes those. right yeah yeah Tell me a little bit about your background mm-hmm. and why this for your, at least right now in your career. So, sure. yeah, what brought you to this point in terms of your interest in athletics or soccer specifically? Tell me a little bit about uh, that. So, soccer has been a part of my life since I was three or four. Really? And, uh, but even so, coming out of college, I I didn't think soccer was going to be a big play a part of my career at all. Did you I, play in college? So, I played four years at Princeton. You did. Uh, and by the end of my four years there, I, I was kind of tired of soccer, to be honest with you. I, yeah. And, but even so, I, I came out not really knowing a lot of what I wanted to do. I, I didn't, I don't think I had a good sense of what my strengths were as a, what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I didn't really think soccer was going to play a, a long-term, would be a long-term focus in my career, I started out in soccer as, in DC United at sales. Oh. Um, and so DC and I, I, 
I grew up down in Southern Virginia. It's a three-hour drive. It's close to, to, to where I grew up. Um, and, you know, it's involved in soccer. So that was about the extent of my thinking at that point in time of what I was going to Can doing. I ask what was your degree? So I was pre-med in history. And that's a <laughs> that's pre-med part. That's a really it's, it's, interesting Yeah, so that's the pre-med part, maybe we can get into yeah. it a little later. But yeah. uh, I decided junior year that medicine wasn't mm-hmm. my path. Yeah. And that was a hard decision to make because you put three years in and have all the requirements to go to med school, but then decide, you know, last year that that's actually, I want to do a 180 and, and well, not even a 180, kind of just go back into the abyss of where I not really know what you really want to do. And, and losing that focus of this is what I'm going to do next is, is tough. And, it, and it, you kind of uh, put you in a space of uncertainty and anxiety, mm-hmm. and, and especially when you graduate and you're, you're, now you're supposed to be um, a productive member of society <laughs> and go into the workforce. And uh, so th- looking back on it, the DCI uh, experience I had in sales there was actually was a really good starter of mm-hmm. my career. It's, it's uh there are a lot of people in my same position there, and I, uh, the best man at my wedding, uh, I, I was roommates there. We just mm-hmm. just started the same day at DC United, and we said, "Hey, what do you want to roommate room together?" Yeah. And, and uh, you know, years later, he's the best man at my wedding. Aww. So, it's, uh, yeah. so that was good. That was a good place to start. But I really think after I moved on from DC United, uh, I, I got into the teaching, and that's where I think where it's really guided me to where I am today. So I taught. K through two special education oh, in Alexander wow. City, uh, public schools, and also coached at Alexander Soccer Association. Okay. Uh, so it was a good balance, and be able to, and it was it was really interesting for me, because some of the kids that I saw at school, I was able to see on the field as well in the afternoons. So be able to see them in their different personalities in different settings, and and they saw me as you know Mr. Rich and Coach Ryan and right. the field, uh, and. And then in about 2000, so that was 2008, nine, then 2014, an opportunity to be the director of coaching at Alexandria came up and saw that as a real progression for me to be able to combine my interest in teaching, but now at a bigger scale. Of mm-hmm. I had influence and control of how I, how I was going to teach this group of players and now going into a role as a, check, a director of coaching, be able to coach the coaches to have right. a, to now influence 800, 900 kids in a program. And that was really interesting for me um, and kind of a next step, I, I thought, to, um, you know, to, to go and to be involved in soccer in a, in a more in-depth way. So from a, <clears throat> what I love, so you've touched on something that I think is so important for people to hear, really at all ages, but particularly people that are either in college or even in high school that feel like they already need to know what they do, you know, what they mm-hmm. want to do or... There's a lot of people that I coach from an executive coaching perspective that are mid-career mm-hmm. that are thinking like, I this is not fulfilling anymore. So that ability to pivot when you really don't know what's on the other side. And so the fact that early on you had this experience of like, I don't know, this doesn't, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And so now I want to do something else and I'm supposed to know what I want to do. And I've put all this time. And so I feel like the fact that you made that choice then, um, is a hard thing to do, but yet you sort of listen to your inner voice. Is that what mm-hmm. prompted you to make that change when you were like, medicine is not right? Yeah. I, I think my decision to not continue to pursue the medical track, I had known for about a year 
even longer than that while in college of this isn't the right thing for me. Uh, and were you good at it? Uh, I mean, I, I was like, I mean, I, I, I don't, I. Like, did it come I, easy yeah, to no, you? No, I, I, I think some parts came easily right. to me. Organic chemistry did not come easy. <laughs> yeah. and, That's the weeder, right? right? That's right. Yeah, I know it is. It is. And I definitely sat in the back of that classroom and had no idea what was going on, and yeah. along with the three or four people next to me. Uh, but I, I just knew in t inside that this isn't who I am. This is yeah. not what I w want to do. And uh, and my mom actually would uh, ask me to call, like, well, you know. You, you, you should call this doctor I know, the one who's uh -huh. into asking about, you know, how great being in the, in the medical field is. And I call, call them and say, don't do it. <laughs> don't, don't get back, don't get into medicine. It's, you know, you don't, it's not, it's not what you think it is anymore. And so that really scared me of, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm knowingly stepping into something that uh, may not be that enjoyable or that fulfilling, even after med school, right. that, that you take on going into that. And I think it was also hard to, uh, because you're at a school like Princeton, you've got people surrounding you who've done amazing things coming out of high school. And and I, I don't think it's common, uh, but it, it is more common I think, like at, at Princeton where people decide, I'm at 18, I'm going to be a lawyer, right. I'm going to be a, a doctor. And they are a lawyer or a doctor now. And they're, they've got this vision. They've got this vision. But I, I don't think that's that's uh, the way necessarily has to be I don't my 18 year old self is very different to my 21 mm -hmm. and I just think back of where I was a year ago two or five years ago and I have different goals I have different needs of the family and, mm -hmm. and what I, my outlook is for my career and um, so I, I, I think that took a long time for me to be okay with uh, because of being in that setting and mm -hmm. being surrounded by people who are very type A and like I know exactly what I want I'm, and I have a laser like focus on what it is when I'm 30 right I think it's totally okay for people to go in and into college and have an idea of what my interests are, but not and but not pressuring themselves that I have to know what I'm going to be at thirty now. Right. I'm going to be for at, sure. Yeah, thirty five, and uh, so I th I think that uh, that's definitely something that I've I've come around to understanding and and have to remind myself sometimes because uh, I can definitely get into a mindset of. I'm a planner. I like to okay. This is what I this is what I want to do in the next three years. This is how I'm gonna plan it backwards, you know, six months a year, and right. then kind of plan backwards everything of what I need to do. I, uh, but I have to. I check myself sometimes to to think of. I I can't plan for my forty year old self or my forty five year old right. self because I don't know what my desires will be at that point in time. I can have an idea, uh, but being a flexible enough to change. And that's something I have to, I know of myself of, I, I like to accomplish things. I like to, you know, to, yeah. to, to, to check things off the list and to know I'm working towards something. And, uh, so it's hard to, to pace. To, to, yeah. The pace <laughs> and to, to go against kind of your nature. A little yeah. Bit. yeah. Well, it's interesting. So let, maybe the teaching aspect too, did, did you start to have an inkling that you were strengthened or you really enjoyed teaching towards the end of college or did that not really come to you till you were in that role um, teaching in, in the school like what was that transition going from DC United to teaching um, so I didn't I didn't think I'd be in teaching uh, coming out of college uh, I it was really from getting dabbling and coaching mm -hmm. on the field that I okay. gained interest in that and enjoying the process of, of uh, seeing players get better mm -hmm. and, and 
to the, that was kind of the, the that really got me into the interest in the, the teaching piece of it and so I, I um, you know I, I kind of fell into the, the special education mm-hmm. space uh, because it's a high, it's a high need area and yeah. they'll, you kind of you, they'll accelerate you through to be, get into the classroom um, especially if you're working towards your master's at the same time um, but I ended up really uh, I think that being in the special education space really helped me as as a coach, but also later on with the curriculum development that I've done with mm-hmm. Alexandria and continue to enjoy. Yeah. Uh, because when you're working in the special education space, it's you, know, you don't have time to to work on to do things that don't work. Right. You know, you, you're working with students who are already behind. Right. And so you really have to be using research-driven practices and and methodology methods, methods yeah. that, mm-hmm. to accelerate learning and I so w- being involved with that really got, had my interest of okay how can I carry this over to the soccer realm yeah. things? especially when I became the director of coaching is alright how can I make these coaches better and be more aware of some of these you know, that methods that maybe aren't are just something that are, we don't we just do or are taught on co- coaching courses that may don't have any basis in research where here are some things that I've learned in the classroom through you know my education there mm-hmm. that I can pass on these coaches who work a full time job and don't have time to do a lot of these um, research on their own. And did you feel like in that role when you became the director of coaching, I suspect that there were a lot of coaches that were more senior than you and probably mm-hmm. had exp- more experience than you and maybe in that space. Was that intimidating at all, or did that was that a factor for you? Uh, or do you feel like because you played so much and you know at a high level that you could, you yeah, were? I I, th- I mean that, w- that was definitely something you have to grapple with, uh, and I had to grapple with at at Alexandria, and it was starting out, but also to the day I left Alexandria that <laughs> yeah you've got you've got uh, coaches that see your vision right away and and buy in, and you know others that and have been coaching for a long time, and those are the ones who are have kind of developed their own ideas about the game and are, and more solidified in how they look at the game and may or may not be open to new ideas and uh, but I, so I think you have to approach coaches in different ways and mm-hmm. uh, you've got the young coach who is really energetic and but doesn't know too much about they may have played the game but they don't know much about imparting knowledge of the game to, to others and that's where having the curriculum we had in place at the club really develop them as coaches is it was we will bring you in because we know that you work really well with this age group and a really and would represent the club well and we'll develop you through this curriculum you follow you just follow the curriculum right and you under- have some consistency then right, too right, right? right in terms right. of if you're in the you know you start to build a brand in your club right. for the type of coaching right. that people right. are going to get right right yeah so that so those young coaches those are the one it was it, it, one way you approach but then other ones that play at professional level and have it, it may have a pretty deep understanding of the game it's it's to get them to come in is okay what what changes would you make what mm-hmm. what and being open that's, that's such a yeah. great skill all right so what what do you you know what if you you know we want your buy-in your feeling ownership of this yeah and and i carry that over to what i'm doing now because if if clubs feel like i had a say in the direction of the league and some of the initiatives that they're putting in place how can I not support 
let's go support it because I have ownership. I put my uh, you know, my endorsement on it, and, right? And, and and had a part in that. Uh, so I, th- I think it's 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 not saying you 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 know this is how we want to do things, but there's the flexibility of okay, how, how would you add your own spice to that, right. or, or you bring your own knowledge. Because um, I, I think now is, um, you know, and, and kind of where I am now, that if, if I were to go into uh, another coaching role or something like that, uh, you know, I, I bring with it my own ideas sure. of the game and, right. and, and being able to see, okay, am, am I following my own beliefs? Am I, am I being flexible? Am I right. okay, open to learning different ways of doing things? And I think it's, it's a challenge myself as well. We talked a little bit before when we were talking about having this interview that um, you were saying that there's a whole world of opportunity for people to be employed in sports, right? Mm-hmm. That that you weren't aware of that, like, if people, especially given that we have this connection through, um, you know, kids and youth and playing soccer, and there you just talked about how many kids are playing soccer, mm-hmm. and, like, how big a part athletics are. I mean, we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast that have some sort of athletic component to their story or mm-hmm. to their you know not everybody but it's certainly such a big part and so if you enjoy it and you're strengthened by it and you get through college and you're like you know I love it but I'm not going to be a pro athlete like what are the options and right. I think you know you're talking about a path where you've been able to find that and maybe you're able to have that intersection of something you really love to do but also mm-hmm. be professionally employed but I think a lot of what you're talking about in terms of building consensus and collaborating with other people and being able to be open to others' perspectives, but have a vision. Like all these mm-hmm. things that you're talking about mm-hmm. are like true business skills that help you excel in that space too. So it's interesting mm-hmm. how it it can translate. Yeah. Um, and so talk a little bit about like we'll we'll talk maybe just a minute about the combine because I feel like um, as someone who has been to in my own career, I, I was an HR professional for a really long time and had to coordinate a ton of events. I used to do on campus stuff all the time mm-hmm. and in like in office stuff all that so like massive coordination on a massive level sure. and so uh, going to something like that I have a perspective of how difficult it is to pull that off mm-hmm. I feel like that event was so well run mm-hmm. and the way that you structured it um, so for for parents that are listening or even kids um, teens people interested in playing college sports um, what I loved about it is that you had this opportunity for them to hear from coaches and that you mm-hmm. had an opportunity for them to hear from players. Mm-hmm. And the whole event, while certainly geared towards like athletic assessment, I felt like it had this component of think about your future mm-hmm. and think about it in a way that means it wasn't all anchored in you're going to play sports in college, right? Even mm-hmm. though that's the purpose why people are there. And, and certainly people want to know about that. But as a parent, I left there feeling like, and my kid left there, I think, thinking more seriously about what do I really want mm-hmm. for my future, whether it's to play or not to play or what kind of school do I want to go. Mm-hmm. And that message that was so consistent throughout that event. So I'm right. curious, was that intentional? <laughs> <laughs> And then this was maybe your second time or third time doing this event, and maybe just tell people a little bit about what it is. Sure. Um, so we uh, host the college combine in the winter. We we hosted a summer one um, in 2019, 
is our second winter okay. college combine in the in early Which January. Is super impressive that it was only your second time doing it. Yeah, so it's it's we we've, we've learned a lot in yeah. each one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, essentially, we we hosted at the St. James. It's a uh, this massive state of the art yeah, uh, facility. We use their indoor field house, uh, and that's why we're able to host it in the in January, because um, it's seventy degrees right. inside, and have access to classroom space. So we 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 look at it as a way to educate players versus strictly a combine where you just come out put a number on and have college coaches watch you play Mm -hmm. we think that it's this is one piece of a bigger picture for to help support players the uh and that that's why two out of the three components are in the or i'm sorry one out of three components is working in the classroom to with uh, college coaches and players right uh, with college coaches to understand what they're looking for, what they value, and and what you should or shouldn't be doing in the mm-hmm. college recruiting process, but also listening to players that have been in their shoes, and some of these kids, if there's if there's seniors at the event, that these kids are a year older than them, and so right. they've just gone through this, and uh, be able to share their uh, their thoughts and kind of what they look back on of something that done things that did well. And what things that they would advice they would give to players and right. uh, who are just kind of going through it, and the, the way I I look at it is is that hopefully players are coming coming out of it, you no know, understanding that just going to a tournament in their club setting, going to the tournament showcases, which every single high school team does, and and what's kind of marketed to to the parents or families of this is these are the tournaments we're going to, making the most of that because I think I. I I think most parents and families and players think of club soccer, especially if you're looking at college level as an investment. When I sign up at the beginning of the year, it's an investment right. I'm making. And how can we help educate players and families to make the most of that investment? And if we can educate you know, those players to, before you go to these tournaments, if you're going to Jefferson Cup in March, mm-hmm. or how, well, how much contact with coaches are you doing? Are you reaching out to the the coaches in the right way to the, to the schools that you're interested in are you doing follow-up after that because if you're not you're not really making the most out of that experience and you're just kind of you're just hoping that a college coach is gonna magically see, see you yeah. and think you're the, the the you know the the, the best player there is seen offer you a full scholarship and i think that's that's sometimes uh, you know what's kind of thought of uh, and, I, and i think when looking at the the, the college recruitment process as a whole, it's educating players of how they should be looking at it. I think right. sometimes they go on, I want, I want to play soccer. What school can I go to that allows me to play soccer versus this is, these are my goals as a student. This is, this is what I enjoy to do. If I were to get injured first day of freshman year of preseason right. and not, and not be able to play the rest, but I still want to go to this school. And I'm not sure if all the players can answer yes to that. And, and so that was, uh, and when we divided players up into graduation years, mm-hmm. the types of questions that we would ask would be geared towards what players should be yeah. thinking about. For example, if you're a sophomore, maybe you're, you're, you're not in close contact with a lot of coaches, but what should you be doing at that point in time? Are you, you know, we're lucky to live in the D.C. metro area. We have lots of schools and different yeah. settings. Are, are you going to an American university and seeing what a, 
you know, um, what, what's like to go to school in the city, walk around the campus. Do I, does, do I fit here? Or do I go into a George Mason where it's more a suburban feel or Mary Washington? Or, right. And just seeing, okay, where am I going to fit in? Where am I going to uh, be able to um, grow and, and feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a good space for me as a person? And then, uh, and again, like we've talked about where I, you don't necessarily know what you want to be right. at 18. But if you can have a general idea, that, that definitely, and then be able, and be able to communicate that to a coach, that definitely separates yourself. Like this, this player actually has done some thinking of, you know, that, that, that this, the location of the school works for them, what we can offer academically works for them. The thing I thought was really interesting, and you talked about it, but as a, so that you also had, and I didn't mention this before, but you also had some parent sessions. So mm-hmm. while the kids were playing, I mean, there's just a lot of options if you were there all day to partake mm-hmm. and get information. And I think because I sat in different conversations, that theme of know, know yourself, know where you're going to be happy. Mm-hmm. And soccer is important, but it's not everything. While you're at the soccer combine, right. I thought was really cool. And is really good for them to hear and mm-hmm. then you just you just touched on which I think is so important and it transcends just athletics is this idea that even as a sophomore in high school being intentional about how you communicate with people mm-hmm. that you are thinking about um, whether it's you, you know we know people that want to go to women marry that are homeschooled and so they're not in the traditional setting that would normally follow where they'd have opportunities to interview or be on campus like how are you going to articulate your value if you want to go to William and & Mary and you have this different background, right? Mm-hmm. Versus like people that are interested in these schools or they are interested in certain programs, if you get that chance to speak with that coach, what are you going to say? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to differentiate yourself? And the kids that have a firm handshake and can look you in the eye and sure. that have at least some perspective of, I know about your school or I know about mm-hmm. you, right? It's so important. And I think just it's educating them. They, it's, you know, that's new for them mm-hmm. uh, in terms of thinking about themselves in that way. And I think you all did a nice job mm-hmm. of talking that through a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's it can be an intimidating process to that you've got, you're communicating with this seasoned coach who's you know, been right. coaching for 10, 15 plus years. And, At a big school. You had yeah, D1 big, schools there. Right, you know, you right, had, right. yeah. You know, I felt nervous going up to, to, to Brian Weeze at Georgetown. Yeah. You know, they just won the national championship. Yeah. And I'm, and I, what do I say to him? I mean, that, uh, so it's, it's, I can, and I was in those positions. I, I went to college recruiting visits and I, you know, I'm this 17 year old kid who doesn't know anything and have these coaches that are really want me to go to their school. Right. And it's, 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 Is it it's, overwhelming? It's, it's, it's overwhelming, but it's, it's and it's, uh, experience you'll probably never feel again in your life or be in a situation so and it's hard to prepare for that uh, and that and I, I don't think when I was going through it that I had much guidance or preparation for that of what I should be saying and I think the extent of what I had growing up was um, hey can you give us a picture and give us your GPA and, and uh, SAT and then uh, we'll hand out the coaches the tournaments and that's about all I mm-hmm. knew I didn't um, I, I don't think I I mean, at that point in time, email wasn't a wasn't a big thing, right? Uh, but I don't I I didn't call coaches. If I, I I definitely was a mindset of if they like me, I'll, they'll, right. they'll, they'll contact me, right? You know, and uh, so I, I could have I could have benefited from this college combine <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. yeah, and so if you one of the things, and then I want to talk a little more uh, too, just about your story in terms of you know one of the things we like to talk about is if you kind of look back at mm-hmm. high school and 
middle school and what some of those pressures were like for you and sure. and just again for the guidance that people may be listening but before we leave the topic of um, recruiting and you know we had the benefit of talking to the Olympic sport director at Duke and so he talked a lot about um, recruiting and and just college athletics and and the mindset there mm-hmm. but I'm curious for people because this area is so rich with talent and there's a lot of parents mm-hmm. <laughs> and kids that are like super interested in that process what is some advice that you have for people going through that um, besides going to one of your combines but you know, if, as people are thinking about that process, what do you think are like three things that if you were gonna sit down with someone and really give them some guidance, what would you say? Uh, I think what what initially just touched on was is is think of the academic piece first mm-hmm. and approaching that. What are your goals there, and then matching up a school that uh, you know with your academic needs and also your your soccer needs. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's the first piece of it because um, that's something I something I didn't necessarily do uh, and then and then um, using your resources at the club and I, I think that from a league perspective we mm-hmm. we created this combine because we saw there was a lack of education yeah uh, but there are you know within some clubs that there is a director of college placement um, that can oh, give you honest feedback about this is this is who you are as a player and talking to your coach. I mean, the coach is ultimately the one who's going to give you the, who, who knows you the, the best. Um, and being, you know, having a frank conversation uh, and an honest conversation about um, what, what, your, your level and if you're, if you're academic, if you want to go to UVA, can I play UVA coach? They may, you know, and, and being able to say, okay, no, this is actually a better choice for you. Maybe you're, you're at a, you should consider these other schools. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I, I, I think that using your resources at your, at your club um, and, you know, can be, I don't, I don't know, sure. Having been in that situation at, at Alexandria, I, we offered one-on-one sit-downs with players to create their profiles and basically write an email for them or help them. Wow. Coach. And I think of, of all the juniors and seniors we had at the club three kids wow sat down like actually came and i think of those three like two actually <laughs> sat down and followed through with it right so the resources are there people who want to help it's taking advantage of that and and, and being motivated and, and being, yeah, and pro- yeah, yeah, yeah and proactive yeah and i think the the, the last the last piece uh would be really and i this is definitely something we impressed upon at the college combine is is having pe- having kids walk out of their understanding of how much uh, is in their hands and in their mm-hmm. control and how much they have to do because of going to a tournament and and I'm not sure if you've looked at some of these tournaments they've got ten or it's eleven un- twelve yeah. showcase brackets at three or four different locations and if I'm a college coach how am I choosing to go to this right. location or am I a player like is this coach going to be at this game is if he's at this game am I playing or if he's at this game, is he t- chatting with the coach next to him while I do something re- really well? And, uh, and so I think it's, it's not leaving things up to chance and taking ownership of that and to do as much as you can to really communicate with coaches. Because if you think about it from a coach's perspective, if I'm going to those tournaments, uh, I think we talk about at the players, of you're competing with all these players for these schools, but it's the other way around too. Mm-hmm. These coaches, if they like a player... You can bet that they other coaches like that player too, and they're 
and if you can do everything in your power to separate yourself, I'm going to this tournament, I'm interested in your school because of a legitimate reason, right. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, like your academic program, right. I like your setting your school, there's a much higher chance that, that you're going to get seen by that coach because I know that the interest is already there and I'll make a point to go see you versus... Um, and yeah. given what you just said about only three kids showed up for that, can you imagine, I wonder how many kids are really reaching out to coaches like mm-hmm. that. So that might be a real way to right. get yourself seen or to just plant that seed of, right. I'm really interested and intentional about pursuing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you one question just about yourself and playing, um, and I'll we'll move off of recruiting. But um, I'm curious for you, in terms of playing college soccer was that a goal of yours and are you someone who was naturally gifted at at soccer or how hard did you have to work towards mm. making that happen for yourself so i i knew i wanted to play college soccer uh, i mean it was it was always kind of a, a goal of, i would assume i was going to do that yeah and uh, when i was 15 i was on the virginia odp team and actually uh, we played overseas in England, and I played the played the best I'd ever played in my entire life. I was off the ch- I was I, I surprised myself at how well I played and had some uh, uh, professional con- uh, contract offers mm-hmm. there while I was there, uh, and that was a whole new. That was before anybody was like really, yeah. Brian McBride was over there in Fulham, and Fulham was one of those interesting mm-hmm. clubs. So the idea of going that was a whole new thing to consider and my mom was nixed that right away she says no you're you're you play soccer so you can go play college like <laughs> if you get injured you're, you lose yeah. eligibility you're not doing that so that was that was um but that i was a back and i'm like what that's such a thing now but if you know it, it seemed like such a scary thing then but mm-hmm. there are more and more players doing that but if i was born you know in this era now and i had the opportunity would i have mm. gone that but that was that's uh so i i I think more seriously after that experience that, oh, okay, I really should be playing at the next level or thinking about playing at the next level. And uh, uh, my experience with my recruiting experience was, I think, was probably different than a lot of Mm -hmm. players. I mean, I I didn't have to do much marketing of myself. Right. And and even if I wanted to, I didn't really know what to do. Right. But I, I was lucky enough and uh, to, to to have some great schools that really wanted me to play, invite me to official visits and yeah. offer scholarships. And In terms of your own talent, though, I mm-hmm. guess that was the question, too, is just how hard did you work at that? Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, growing up. Like, were you the kid in the backyard yeah. just hours and hours? You know, they say, what, you have to do something 50,000 hours in order to be an expert or, you know, right. so... Were you someone, or again, was it you were just naturally? Uh, I think I had a, I, I had athletic abilities that kind of were, that lent itself to mm-hmm. soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was a, I was definitely a kid, and and we grew up. We we lived in the woods, and you know we had two massive golden retrievers, and so I would I'll be always out there, and they're always the best defenders. You know, they they they'd be after the ball, and yeah. so I play around the dog, keeping the ball away from them and shielding away from them yeah. all the time. I just I, I also did a lot of visualization of, of mm. this is this, like the situation I'm going to be in, and what am I going to do in this situation? And so I I had, 
I don't think I knew what it was at that point in time. I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it. Yeah. Of, uh, of okay, hey, I, I can. This is the situation I'm gonna be in. This is what I'm gonna do. I play in this position, and you know, if I have someone comes from, from the this side, this is the type of way I'm gonna get out of this kind of situation, or what I can do. Uh, so I, I would I would spend a lot of time doing that kind of interesting. Thing. Uh, so it wasn't just a <clears throat> necessarily hitting a ball off the wall type of thing. It was all right. I'm a in context in my mind of recreating these scenarios mm-hmm. that I have been have seen the game and then being able to you know work through those and saying okay next time I get in the situation um, I just want to do but I, I I I was very passionate about it and I, I took training very seriously after every single game and training session I would always clean my shoes put mink oil on the shoes put newspaper in it and set them out for the next session so I always took that very seriously, yeah. and I, I don't think no, it was. Uh, my mom was always on me for like being in training mode, but I think that's something that I just was who I was. I right. just was. This is something I love so much that, you know, I wanted I wanted to be prepared as much as I can for the next. You know, took a lot to, of pride. To, to pride in. That's so interesting. Yeah. So then if you think about um, just for, from like a high school or even like middle school, you think back to that period, was there anything during that time that really shaped or changed how you move forward in life? Like I, we've talked to a lot of people about those years being formative mm-hmm. and that, you know, things can happen that really shift your perspective. So anything either from a challenges or from a success perspective that you think really helped ground you or guide you forward uh i think my my mother's influence had a big part uh in keeping me on track i think you look you think about a teenage player teenage kid yeah in general about all the things that are distracting and you can there are definitely times where i didn't really like soccer anymore i think this is such a weight and that mm-hmm. i and i have things every single day every single and um, I was playing high school soccer and club soccer. I, I wouldn't get back until 10 o'clock at night, three times a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just think of like, I'm missing out a like lot of stuff. Like the burnout, yeah. And so my, I, I, my mom was there to kind of keep me on track and help me push through things that in the short term, I didn't think were worthwhile. But now looking back, I'm like, I'm, it's good that she was there because it can get mentally just like, why am I doing this? Like, right. Reminding yourself, it's hard to push yourself sometimes with that uh, I think at the same time I uh, it was definitely challenging missing out on some of the social aspects of, of things and every weekend I was traveling to a tournament or having a away game and it's hard on Monday mornings when you're listening to your friends talking about things they did in the weekend and you're not part of it right. or you miss out on prom and I think that's, that's definitely a, a tough piece of it and I, I and I'm looking back on it now. I do regret sometimes not participating on some of those things as much. I, I <clears throat> so sacrifices. So you sac- had to yeah. make a lot of sacrifices. Lot of, yeah, sacrifices, and it was that maybe a lot of people were really made connections and in, in, in friendships that, that sometimes you feel like you're left behind or right. you're. Uh, and you know, I I remember we went out to surf cup in san diego and it's a big big recruiting opportunity 
that was missing prom and I told him I, was, I don't really want to go I don't want to like I, I, I've done enough it was a senior year I've done enough of this I don't and she pushed me to go uh, and I don't regret going and missing out on things I, I think overall looking back I wish I had found more balance and and how could I have achieved the same thing while also being a kid and being right. and, and, and uh, not missing out on the there's a lot of pressure, right? So you obviously went to a really good school too. Did you feel academic pressure also, or? I, I think I did, especially uh, choosing the major that I did. Yeah. Going in and pre med and and. So you were all loaded up on so your you have, sciences. Yeah, sciences. You have labs and. Yeah. Uh, you're going straight from labs to to soccer and and it's so it, I I think I through what I chose to do in college, put pressure on myself. Uh, and, I, I, and as I mentioned, my, my mother had a big influence. She mm-hmm. wanted me to be a doctor. And, she, and so I think that I kind of assumed that responsibility of like, oh, this is what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point was that I had to answer myself of, this is actually not who I am. And surprisingly, when I told her, she was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I was just going to ask you, how and, was that conversation? And, and, yeah, right. And, and so I think, like, one of this whole time, I've been just wow. grappling with this and thinking of, like, how am I going to tell her? Because she's been, she's been telling me for years and years that this is, you know, this is, this would lead to such a good life. And then, in the end, just be like, okay, well, um, if that's what you want to do. And wow. It felt like a huge weight was on the shore. Yeah. But at the same time, like, that's it? That's, okay. I've been carrying this. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, but I think that's just who I am of like, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do and I, I need to stick to it. And, yeah. um, so it was a big thing for me to, to let go of that. Yeah. Um, both from letting, feeling like I let down my, my mom, but then going to transition to something of, okay, now, now what? Right. And, and feeling like I had to think, have things figured out. Um, do you think you're like, I guess I think I'm going to answer my own question, but as you're talking, like for you to to take the risk of going that different path. And it seems like even these jobs that you've taken are somewhat of a risk because you don't know this position you're in now is newly formed, right? Mm -hmm. And like all these other things that you've done. So are you a risk taker at heart? Or do you feel like maybe you Mm -hmm. weren't for a long period and then that shifted and then you feel like once you did start risking more, the reward gets to be pretty Mm -hmm. cool too. I, I... I wouldn't say I'm a risk taker. It's more of, I think I, I think through things pretty carefully, yeah. especially my move from, from my technical director role to MCSL. I, yeah. it was months and months of kind of look, thinking through it and all right, this is what are the pros and cons mm-hmm. and talking to my wife about it, talking you know to my brother-in-law who's, the CEO of a big company, he, like talking through like you know how you know, he made decisions and right. that type of thing. Uh, so I I. I, I I, th- I think I looked at it more from a, right, where am I in my life and what do I value? And I think that's what it came back to. Of, outside that. of this job, does this, does this job move me closer or further away from what I value at this point in my life? And yeah. I, that's so powerful. Yeah, right. And I, in my, my role in, as a technical director, I loved lots of aspects about it. But then it, in season, it's easily... If you want to, if you, and especially how I am to feel like I, I, the product that, you know, the, is on the field, what the co- what coaches do, 
the program that's there I got I take it's a reflection of me right. if you feel that way you're gonna it is easily 15 or 16 hours a day in season yeah. just like grinding it out and those and it takes a toll on other parts of your life and 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 just to kind of say back of all right what I'm, I've got a young son and I want to you know spend time with him mm-hmm. spend time with my family my wife and and this is where I am in my life and and this is the right move for me right, right now and then you know I, again I don't know where I'll be in right five to ten years but um I, I it made it made sense and fit with um, what my goals were and what was what was important to me at this point in my life. I think that I love the fact that you frame it as sort of what is of value to you, and mm-hmm. there's a lot that's being said right now about know your why mm-hmm. and know what is your anchor for you know why you get up every day, mm-hmm. and if you can tap into that mm-hmm. and find work right. that feeds that it's sure. like it doesn't feel like work it starts right. to feel like it's just you know so when you do start to feel like there are times when you have to sacrifice for sure mm-hmm. but when you put in that hard work and you put in all of that effort you can start to figure out that balance a little bit more and have a little more power to make that choice sure. so what what advice or what um, one of the things I know we wanted to talk about a little bit is as people are either maybe you could talk about opportunities for students like whether they're still in um, high school or college or then certainly like professional level opportunities to work mm-hmm. in at least from your perspective given what mm-hmm. you've seen um, in sports yeah. what do you think are some options like I think of yeah. refing right it's right. like a, a step one maybe but yeah yeah, I think, may- yeah I think the the, um, the the middle school high school level yeah. I, I know a lot of kids have their kind of senior experience or they have volunteer hours they have I think it, that's an easy way for you if you're involved in the club to volunteer for a club and, and and if you have any interest in potentially looking at making you soccer part of your career then that's a good way to see what actually goes on in the club right and I think that's really important especially as you graduate and are re- more seriously considering uh, a role within you soccers you know I, I talked to I've talked to a lot of coaches who are who may have a part-time job or a full-time job that's outside of soccer and they coach mm-hmm. and they always say oh i i want to make i wouldn't be so great if i just did soccer all the time and because it's their passion and i get it i get that sentiment it's that you have to really see what the, the reality is of what's it like to actually do this all day in day out and to be good at it, to, to feel like you're doing a good job mm-hmm. and adding value to to players and families and because it's one thing to show up at two or three practices a week and then go to you know game and you know it's it's a pretty good side gig for a lot of coaches right. and then the ones who are saying oh this is great I'm gonna go full time and do it you know if you really want to be good at it and you really want to progress then it's just much much more than just what you're doing on the field it's it's you have the planning that goes involved make sure you're creating a, a you know a, a framework for the season for the year and each individual session and, and the plan that goes in the, the thought that goes into each individual player and, uh, and, and then educating yourself. And with all that included, it's hours and hours more right. than it, than just showing up on the field. And I, I think people sometimes in a naive way go into thinking of like, Oh, I just like soccer. So I'll just do this all the time. Right. And then if you're thinking further beyond that of being involved in the club, it's, you're still coaching probably one or two teams, but then you're also 
doing administrative work for the program. So you have to be really strong, a really strong communicator, task oriented, you know, and, and responsible and um, not to get on, you know, use salary coaches, but some, that's not their strong point. They're like, just leave me to coach. And then, you know, you but, do all the admin, and the admin yeah. stuff when really it should be part of that. If you're going to communicate what, uh, and work through individual goals with players and to communicate your vision as a, as a coach and as a, for the team, you have to be good at, at that. Mm-hmm. And if you're just saying, you know, I'm going to, you got to stay in your lane and I'll stay in my lane and I'll do it in the field. And you just bring your kids to practice and games and that's it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that's, you know, you're, you're not, you're not, uh, challenging yourself enough as a coach. And so it, I, I think what, what youth coaches really need to do is if you're really thinking about it and go into a club, you know, and shadow mm-hmm. some of these club leaders right. and say, okay, this is actually what we do. And and figure out if it's actually something you really like because it's not always just soccer, soccer, talking right. about it all the time. It's 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 it's, it's budgets. It's it's um, you know figuring out how much you can pay people and figuring out how much you know like field space and you know, things that are like oh I, I don't mm-hmm. really want to deal with that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, and then and then uh, I think the second part of that is 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 understanding you're not going to get to the end goal right away. Even though you not even know what the end goal is, but soccer is a small, soccer is a small world, and everybody knows everybody. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to, if you don't have any reputation, if you don't have any thing to go on, volunteering and, and saying I want to, I want to learn more about this process. I'm willing to come out and put hours in to show you what I can do. And then once you have that, once you have that kind of base and do good work for a club and establish yourself as someone that can represent the club well and can do a good job, that opens up a lot of opportunities because now if you apply to another club, you better believe that club director knows the right. club director you just came from. They'll contact them and say, what do you think of this, this kid? Right. Like, I'll, I'll give a chance. He, he did, well, did well here, really wants to learn, give him a chance. And that's how, that's how it works. And if, if you establishing those right. relationships and being willing to... Um, do that do you coach at all now or are you so i still coach you a, do i still coach a u12 girls team so you still team. get a little like yeah. of that in your yeah. in your yeah. life <laughs> i mean that, that is you know i i i still love being on the field and feeling yeah. part of that process and and still feel so, so much ownership of like if, if the players are on the field and and so doing see, really well yeah. that's that's a reflection of me if they're doing poorly that's a reflection of me of not, i'm not doing enough and i like that i like that that piece and mm-hmm. just always kind of pushing the envelope of trying to get better and the players and myself and, and that connection to the field. So that's, I, I think from a, it's very easy. I think if I were to step away from that at a league level and just talking to club directors and just, you're kind of making decisions at a level that impacts kids on the ground and not really having a connection with that. It, it's, it's important to still feel like what it's like on the, on the yeah. field and say, okay, well, this initiative that we're thinking about putting into place, how, does it affect that nine-year-old kid on the field? And is it in their best interest, you know, to, to make this rule change or to do this or that? And, um, are we making it a better experience for these players? And, yeah. And I, I don't want to lose sight of that. Yeah. Stay connected, right? right. Keep that muscle. Right, right, right. <laughs> developed. Yeah. Um, in terms of any upcoming events that you want people to know about, like, do you have a spring combine that's coming up or do you other things that you think? Yeah. So we're looking in the, into, um, uh, planning one for the the, the summer mm-hmm, the summer. summer and we've as i mentioned we've 
And do you have kids that come back, like multiple yeah. times? Yeah, so or... kids kids will come back, and I I think they come back for different reasons. I think as like for for example, like a freshman or sophomore, I come from more of an educational right. perspective. Right. Of you know, I'm still a little ways off for really um, in getting really deep into the recruiting process, but they're then juniors or seniors would come back because they that's the school that I really want to mm, connect so with. So they know, yeah. And so I think people come for different reasons and may come back for different reasons. Uh, but we, well, that's that's part of the goal too, is that how can we adapt or adjust the structure of the college combine so when people do come back, it's different. It's different, yeah. and that they're learning something new. And so that's that's always uh, Trick, yeah, it's tricky. Uh, but you know, I, I, even from the first combine to this last one, we totally restructured the the flow. the, 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 flow, the mm-hmm. schedule of the day uh, to to you know based on a these are, it was really important to have these these sit downs with players mm-hmm. as well, so coaches, but also how can we manage the fatigue on the field of you know, when they get breaks from playing because yeah. you know the first time there was a ton of playing, so by the end you know players want to be in front of coaches, but by the end they're just gassed right and so they can't the, you know, the coaches are seeing kids when they're not their best the right. players are playing and you know, there was more chance of injury that type of thing um, so we're always kind of thinking about all right what what's the feedback that we got how can we is there is there a trend in that feedback and then how can we make it better yeah. next time um, well i can't say yeah. enough about it, it was yeah. phenomenal yeah. i thought it was such a great event and yeah. so did uh, my son yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, um, and maybe you've touched on this a little bit, but when you think about um, the younger version of you mm-hmm. or the less experienced version of you, mm-hmm. what is some advice or counsel you would give young Ryan? Yeah. Well, I think I'd give, <laughs> I think my younger self is like yesterday too. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's um, so true. But I, I, I remember back when I first came out of college and, uh, I, I would go to this uh, uh, hair salon place, and, mm-hmm. just, and they always would call me like a baby, like baby, like oh you're such a baby, you're such a baby. <laughs> and I was like I, I'm you know I'm not sixteen, I'm you know I'm t- you know twenty three, and then but now looking back of like I am like I was so young <laughs> at that point, I was so young at even at thirty, I was feel right. like I was so young, and then and just thinking of like. You had to put amount of pressure I put on myself to to really reach the next financial goal or to reach right. the next career goal of what I want to do and 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 my 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 wife always reminds me about this too because she's very much she's more in the moment of mm-hmm. let's enjoy this now and I'm more of let's plan for the future are we it's our retirement set are we are we <laughs> all planned out there and then can lose sight of you know let's enjoy ourselves now and then. And so I think it's a constant reminder, even my younger self a day or two ago. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that's... Is it like re- just relax a little bit? Yeah, like... I think it's, it's, it's relax and to enjoy the process more mm-hmm. and, and, um, and not kind of always think of what's, what's ahead for and, right. and staying in the, in the moment. Um, so again, it is fighting my nature a little bit um, to, to do that. But when I look back, I always think of, oh, I should have been... I should have just been enjoying that more. I don't, right? You know, I think about my days coming out of college and where that didn't have any family or any, you know, didn't have my son. You know, I I literally had nothing like nothing on my agenda. 
let the do. <laughs> no responsibilities. No responsibilities. And I still was playing my pressure. Like, okay, I, I got to save in my Roth IRA this much. And, and my, you know, and, and, you know, I had a 529 open <laughs> oh before God. my son was, you know, was, was even born. So, I, you know, those things are like, I just, oh who I am. Gosh. I have to, I have to think of, I, I, I don't want to look back on, you know, as I get older and think of and regret anything of, and I think of one thing that I do possibly regret of, of just not just see, seeing that there wasn't anything to worry about back then. Right. And there wasn't, and what were the pressures I put on myself weren't that big of pressures. Right. Um, and even now I think of, I, I think of each role I have in the career wise of, mm-hmm. of, you know, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I see why I understand why, you know, I, I, and I understand why I'm doing it at this point in my life. And, yeah. Um, and I think too, when I, when I see these people, these, these young coaches who are just like coaching three or four teams and just totally on the grind and, yeah. and I've like, you, you, you're going to have to face these kind of questions as well of just, of hey, what's, you know, how am I going to progress through this soccer, youth soccer career? And, right. and, and I think now I'm, I'm when I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more comfortable with myself being able to say, okay, I'm, you know, there, there are parts that my family is important. Soccer is important and right. my own mental well-being, you know, is important. And, um, where I think back in my younger self, it was, it was too may, may wrapped up in, I, I, I didn't take care of my mental well-being. I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, being in the moment versus trying to do as much soccer stuff as I could, you know, I could or, you know, trying to, um, you know, get my master's degree as fast as I could. And, uh, so I, you know, I think when I look back at my, you know, younger self, even if it was just a day or two ago, it's just constantly reminding of like, okay, this is what I value, and like, am I, am I doing what I value? Mm-hmm. Or is it, am I, you know, worrying about things that I might not value <laughs> five years from now? <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, I thank you so much for your time. Yeah, this was yeah. a really good conversation, and I, I really appreciate you going deep on these topics because I think they're important and that there's a lot of benefit that people will get when they listen. So thank you so much. Thanks.